Hello, welcome to the Wednesday Word. This is our weekly podcast where we dive a little deeper into the theme of this past Sunday's sermon. And we're going to do so by reading through Pastor David's devotional and stopping to answer some questions. Uh, I am Lydia. I am the children's ministry director here. And I have with me Grant. Hello. And Chris. Hello, welcome. Awesome. Well, let's start with some scripture. Our first scripture comes from Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. It says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. And from 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1, I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people. Pastor David says, We all carry burdens. Many people carry heavy burdens. For some people, the burden has the name anxiety, and for some, depression. Those suffering from anxiety and depression can, at times, feel like the burden is too heavy to carry. Since the start of the pandemic in 2020, the number of people carrying this burden has increased dramatically. Probably each one of us knows someone struggling with, their, with either anxiety or depression, or both. And many of us have had our struggles with it, too. So before we get too deep into these questions, um, as someone who myself struggles with depression and anxiety, I just wanted to say that the experience is, as you know, different for everyone in many ways. Some folks listening maybe um, have experienced some of these things before in the past or know someone who has and have found their way through. And for some listening today, we recognize that um, depression and anxiety can come and grow, go throughout your lives and that you may be struggling with it now. And we're not experts offering any advice, but we hope that by having this conversation and sharing our own experiences, we can at the very least help you know if you're listening and are struggling with depression or anxiety or both, uh, that you are not alone. And if you are struggling, be aware that we are talking about some heavy experiences today um, that may be troubling for you. With that, let's go into our first question. So, Pastor David asks, do you have a personal experience with anxiety, or do you have an experience with someone you are close to who has struggled with anxiety? If you answer yes to either of these questions, how do you describe the experience? And what, if anything, did you or the person find helpful? So maybe we'll break that into a couple different questions. (laughs) Maybe starting with... um, whether any of us here have personal experiences or know someone with uh, personal experiences with anxiety. Yeah, I, I absolutely have personal experiences, especially being uh, previously dropped out of college and now sort of back in school with a bad history of completing school, uh, dealing with anxiety just every day, the state, the world's and It's just, for me, very, just a lot of everything can sort of set it off. Yeah, there's a lot of reasons in the world at the moment to feel anxious. For me, um, I haven't I haven't struggled with chronic uh, anxiety or depression. My anxiety and depression kind of stemmed out of a broken relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did seek help, um, did see a therapist. Uh, at the time, I was on some antidepressants. Um, but I was able to utilize my support systems mm. um, to eventually kind of get out of that space. Um, but I do know people that 
are chronically um, affected by both of those. And, um, you know, it comes in different forms. It, it presents itself different ways based on where they are, you know, uh, in, in their life. Um, but I think a lot of people, I think we all experience one of those two, either, mm -hmm. you know, seasonal depression, seasonal, mm -hmm. uh, you know, certain, certain times of your life or all the, also this, you know, kind of chronic uh, underlying yeah. um, problem as well. Yeah. I um, personally have struggled with pretty severe anxiety attacks since I was in high school. And uh, if you have experienced that before, you know, it's a very terrifying feeling. Mm -hmm. It's horrible. Absolutely. Um, and I think for some people maybe who haven't experienced it before, um, we assume that anxiety is either I'm just worried all the time mm -hmm. or people who have massive panic attacks right. and the reality is that that can it can be both at the same time mm -hmm. you can have one or the other the anxiety attacks uh, as someone who has also struggled with those uh, sometimes even a little bit more than just so I'm always worried or just massive amounts of panic and sometimes it's just not being able to be at peace and mm. sometimes it's just stress and so many things have ways of setting it off that a lot of people who maybe don't know because they've never had it uh, could also assume that it has to be something big that sets it off. I've had anxiety attacks over the dishwasher. Yeah, I can relate to that. I feel, um, especially if you have someone close to your life who lives with you even, um, who's experienced you having an anxiety attack. Um, for me, you know, Ryan is so sweet and helpful and he... Um, in the early days of our relationship would always ask what, ha what set, what happened? Why, what caused this so that I can try and fix it? And, uh, oftentimes it's not one thing. Maybe it, maybe it happens right after an incident with a dishwasher, yeah. you know, but, but a lot of times it's not one thing. It's, it's so it seems up, a little yeah. out of the blue and, um, it can be a buildup. Absolutely. And you bring up kind of a good point. Ryan and I are are fairly similar in the way yeah. we think, and so I, I identify with him uh, often. But um, it kind of goes back to this Sunday when uh, Pastor was talking about, you know, there are some things that you can say that aren't helpful, that maybe you're you're defaulting to, mm -hmm. um, you know, the, oh, it could be worse, or you're going to be fine. If it makes and, you feel better, right. it doesn't. And oftentimes <laughs> I think that's because, uh, and, and the reason why I bring that is, this up that I connect with Ryan is, I think Ryan and I are both fixers. Right. You know, people that that see a problem and then are immediately switched into, OK, how do we solve for this? Yeah. But oftentimes we're not equipped to solve for that anyway. And so it really was helpful in, on Sunday um, it, to be told, you know, sometimes it's OK. Be, be, be uh, quick to listen and slow to talk, because right. that, I think, is my problem, too. Sometimes it's like, oh, you have a problem. Let's talk about it. Let's find a solution. Let's do this. Let's change. And oftentimes yeah. it's like, no, that we just need to kind of go and be a partner in it before we actually try to solve solution. <laughs> yeah. And that's an important thing to talk about is how to be a partner in, in that kind of situation. I'm very grateful for Ryan because after that, after me telling him this is not helpful, <laughs> um, he did a lot of research and figured out what, you know, found a lot of coping tools and things that he can do to be a partner in that situation. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and that means a lot to, to have yeah, that. Yeah. That's a big show of, of support. Yeah. Yeah. 
So uh, next it asks, what, if anything, did you or the person find helpful? I think, so my situation is interesting. Um, so I had a broken engagement. Mm -hmm. And at first I, I coped by just kind of de not denying it that it was happening, but for one, trying to win her back, which mm -hmm. wasn't, wasn't a good situation. But then um, kind of isolating myself and being, trying to be strong for myself. Um, once I was able to kind of get into a therapist and, and get on some medication, um, the medication really helped, mm -hmm. like really, really helped just in evening out my disposition right. at the time. Um, and if you know me, I'm a pretty happy go lucky kind of person anyway. Mm -hmm. Um, but it, it helped with those waves of kind of grief that were coming. Right. Um, and then the therapy did not help me. And the reason was because I'm a, I'm a problem solver, right? And so when going to therapy, I was anticipating a very concrete, you know, here's what you need to do, Chris. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and the experience wasn't that for me. So I kind of turned on it. Um, it's only later in my life, looking back on it, on how I, I needed to be receptive to the therapy in order for it to actually to come into to effect. Work, and right. knowing more therapists and how the process works, you really are dependent on the client you know, in this case, me meeting you in a way that is helpful for the situation. Because if you think if I, you know, the way I thought, which was, it was going to go and they were, they were going to be smarter than me and know so many more, you know, methods and coping skills. And mm -hmm. they were just going to tell me what to do. Right. And that wasn't, that wasn't the case. So, um, I think it's helpful to recognize that, that not everybody's experience in either therapy or with medication or with a counselor or with whatever kind of you know, maybe a group that you might have mm -hmm. um, to, to not stop. First of all, if it's not helping you, uh, don't stop completely. Don't shut off, but maybe find other avenues that can can help you because it might not be uh, the first the first thing you try. Right. Absolutely. And on the flip side of the coin for me, uh, I found counseling and, you know, sort of a therapy very helpful, mm -hmm. especially because while I was at my worst, for anxiety and depression, I had I had developed very very severe anger issues, mm -hmm. mm. and for me, therapy was a place where it was okay for me to be angry like that, and to have someone help me work through it. And lose isn't the right word, but channel the energy out of anger mm. and into more productive and happier things mm -hmm. yeah rather than just don't feel angry anymore how can we turn this anger into something good yeah, yeah. and i wish i would have been more maybe mature in my thinking at that time um but but you know it, it definitely was me not being helpful in the process oh and <laughs> i i certainly i certainly wasn't mature i was 17 or 18 I I realized I was I got lucky enough to realize I was lashing out. Mm. It was constant. My two moods were I wasn't talking to anyone or I was screaming at people. In my situation no one ever got hurt. Mm -hmm. it, it was immediate. And so that th the therapy really helped you with that then. Yeah, huh? the therapy really helped me with that. Um I actually uh I was more in counseling than therapy. Okay. I never saw an official therapist. It was while my dad was still in the military, and so I still had a whole bunch of connections and health benefits. Uh, at the time, there was a chaplain 
who was certified in counseling and had gone through that schooling and everything, which I know mm-hmm. not every pastor uh, does and everything, but he had specialized in that. And I met with him once a week after school on Tuesdays. And so that was just a time. And a lot of it was challenging me. You know, I think people who've never been through therapy uh, can think that it's where you go and get fixed. But a lot, so much of it was him getting my anger up and then helping me channel it later. But it, it was just a constant challenging me. So kind but of understanding your feelings. Mm-hmm. And, and Yeah, but that's what I needed. That, mm-hmm. of course, wouldn't be the same for everyone. Of course. Of course. Sure. You bring up, though... Um, kind of what I think I one of the primary things that I think I get out of therapy myself is tools Mm -hmm. it's you know um not fixing like you said but but giving me the tools that I might need in order to cope with these things on my own and to understand the feelings that I'm having on my own um and so I have a a toolbox of coping strategies here with me Ooh, that I got okay. from my own therapist. And I thought maybe I could share some with everybody. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, there are kind of five categories and what the first is grounding. And so there are some exercises to kind of ground yourself when you're feeling anxious. Uh, first is five, four, three, two, one, name five things you can see, four things you can feel on your body, three things you can hear, two things you can smell and one thing you can taste. And what that does is just, make you aware of of what's real yeah. going on around Presence. you and in you and mm-hmm. be present um and there there are some more grounding exercises like that movement i like the big squeeze clench your hands into fists as hard as you can for 10 seconds then release the tension and keep repeating um breathing of course yeah um, breathing's a huge one for me even now what are the recommendations yeah. for breathing um a restorative sigh which i love Take a deep, slow breath in. And then when you breathe out, make a ha sound. (sighs) And it just feels like things are just escaping your body. It feels so good. (laughs) And box breathing. Have you ever tried box breathing? Um, Okay, it says place one hand on your belly. Breathe in through your nose deeply enough that the hand on your belly rises. Hold the air in your lungs. And then exhale slowly through your mouth with your lips puckered as if you are blowing through a straw. The secret is to go slow. Time the inhalation, four counts, pause for four counts, and then exhale for four counts. And you just keep repeating that. This is actually a um, something we used in track and field. Oh, yeah? Yeah, when you squeeze your mouth, um, the, it, it's a, um, I'm going to get it wrong now, mm-hmm. but essentially you're changing the, um, the flow of carbon dioxide to oxygen. Right. And so it changes your oxygen levels and right. should kind of reestablish your, yeah. 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 That's very helpful. Um, it says take a shower. <laughs> very true. You know. Showers are great. Yeah. Um, and then my favorite is this self-compassion exercise. And um, I want to invite everybody to do it with me if you're listening at home. Um, place a hand on your heart. And take a deep breath and say to yourself, this is a moment of suffering. This feels uncomfortable and it won't kill me. Other people feel this way too. May I give myself the compassion I need. May I be patient. May I forgive myself. 
May I learn to accept myself as I am. I, I think there's such a benefit to having a, some sort of, maybe you could call it a mantra like that, though, where something that you, something short and sweet that you can remind yourself when you feel yourself getting worked up. My friend Mallory uh, has a great one. She just says, it don't matter so much. And so, and so anytime she's starting to feel anxious about work or uh, life or something is bubbling up in her, especially things that really in the grand scheme of things don't necessarily matter so much she just says it don't matter so much <laughs> and like then it's a it's a way for her to switch her brain to say you know think about it in a different way sure i also use this is future grant's problem <laughs> when i get anxiety and just like i'm just not gonna even think about it future grant world future, future, future grant problem. might not appreciate yeah. that though well, future grant can deal with it that's his problem not mine <laughs> he's got to figure that out the next question says, likewise, do you have a personal experience with depression or do you have an experience with someone you are close to who has struggled with depression? If you answer yes to either of these questions, how do you describe the experience? And what, if anything, do you or the person find helpful? For me, uh, depression and my anxiety are two very different things. Mm. Uh, for me, my anxiety has manifested into worry and my depression depression i don't really have so much anymore i'm in a i i like to think outside of the anxiety i'm in a very good place mentally mm -hmm. but i was depressed enough uh late middle school early high school uh because i'm moving around all the time i was literally bullied from day one of kindergarten up until like sophomore year junior year of high school so for a long time and it got so bad uh end of middle school, early high school, uh, I tried to kill myself. And so for me, you know, th the depression, the, I, I mean, it was that bad. I, uh, I don't want to say m mistakenly, because I don't want anyone who might have these feelings uh, that might feel like this to, to think any more negatively. Um, but because suicide is never, ever the way. It's never the way. E even the problems I felt were so, so world-ending. And even problems I struggle with to this day still, um, there are still just better solutions. But it drove me to attempt suicide. And then uh, after I had, I had done that and was what I had thought was starting to get better went through a second wave and attempted suicide again before I start, started seeing the counselor. And so for me, a lot of it was just self-worth. Um, that was a point in my life where I felt very alone. And I, I even had the thought of, you know, God has abandoned me. And this is before I got very, very religious again, uh, which also happened through that therapy with the pastors he helped me find god again in my life and um just just that loneliness of the world is better off without me and now that i'm very thankful because that has been manifested more into a, a creation of self-worth or some sort of even if i don't have self-worth now or feel i'm not contributing anything now 
I have so much time ahead of me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That doesn't mean something can't change. Something sure. can't be created. And I, I lived with those thoughts up until probably 19 or 20. And I'm only 24 now. Yeah, you're mm-hmm. so young. So it's, uh, I've only been sort of out of those thoughts for about four years. And, and just, like I was saying, so much time ahead of just sure, even if I'm not there yet, even if I don't feel worthy yet, so much can happen that can change that. I can start doing something. I can start making a change. I can do something to convince myself that the world is better off with me. And and a lot of that for me was just learning to find that self-worth and that self-love. Uh, I, I certainly believe I'm doing something to contribute and in some way I can improve at something every day. And it doesn't have to be... You know, for me, something super big, even if it's just picking up trash around the neighborhood or that I see in the street, those little things, you know, are contributing in some way to make the world a better place. And I think that a lot of people here at the church who know you will agree that the world is better because you're in it. But the most important opinion, of course, is your own. You know, you mentioned you mentioned that. um anxiety and depression don't always come from a big event and that yours came specifically from years of kind of bullying and your experience with that um did and then uh as far as your your change your mindset change you know that you had these these thoughts of suicide previously and now you clearly have a distinction of that that's not the answer do you feel that therapy itself was what the catalyst to change your mind on that or, or did you have to go through a process of understanding I, and reevaluating? I think therapy certainly helped. I think I'm a very unique situation because the biggest catalyst for me was, vi- was one video game in particular okay. and one character from said video game in particular that I actually have a little caricature, caricature of on my keychain that I carry around with me uh, for moments where I feel like maybe I'm relapsing or I'm not feeling that self-worth, or I'm feeling that anger again to help remind me uh, of the the changes I've made. What I find so cool about it is it can be so situational. You know, Mm -hmm. I know people in therapy who are there only to talk about the things that stress them out and are otherwise just the happiest people on the planet, and they're just there to de-stress a little bit. Kind of a maintenance. Yeah, yeah, sort of of a checkup, like if you Mm -hmm. take your car to get an oil change. Sure. Nothing's wrong with it. And not that there's anything wrong with anyone with bigger issues, but it's just that regular maintenance of taking time to relax and focus on yourself and have a little self-love. Absolutely. Because without that self-care, it just makes your life harder, mm-hmm. unnecessarily, yeah. In, yeah. in my personal opinion. Mm-hmm. I'm not an expert, but... Thank you for sharing that, yeah. Grant. One, and, you know, sharing it, it's one of the things that I actually look at for that trying to make the world a better place is a whole bunch of bad, terrible things have happened to me, uh, some done by other people, some some done by myself. And rather than feel ashamed of it or or self-conscious, I try to use it to potentially help other people. And Because there are plenty of people who might feel ashamed or self-conscious, and, you know, no one needs to. Never, ever feel ashamed about any negative thoughts you're having. Yeah, I think you bring up some great points. Yeah. And there is a stigma, for sure, about um, seeking help. 
And a lot of people think, well, you know, I'm not going crazy. I don't have X, Y, and Z problems. And the fact is that every single person can benefit from seeking help, whether it's from a professional or just their support system yeah. Yeah, or just if, God. Yeah. And even <laughs> if you just had a, a rough day. Well, and you, and the other point you bring up is that your, you know, depression and anxiety was when you were, you know, you're still young, but when you were younger and, um, you know, just to hit on the point again, the, the sermon series is, is named aware. And that's kind of, mm-hmm. you know, the point is, if you are not currently experiencing these, still be aware that, you know, anybody can as young as you were mm-hmm. yeah. and that, you know, people uh, need to, to feel loved, feel that identity as well. A lot of people don't realize what happens in the minds of kids mm-hmm. because they assume, and, and this was something I had to fight against uh, from like teachers and, and schoolmates and very thankfully not my family. Mm-hmm. I, I was very lucky that I never had to fight my family on it, but I know people who have. Mm-hmm. People think just because you're a kid and you don't know what the real world is like that your problems can't be that big. And the fact of the matter is it's not how big the problem is, it's how big the problem affects you. Right. Right. And so, you know, no matter what's happening, even if it's you just had a bad day, but if that bad day affects you bad enough to to you feel you would benefit from talking to someone, talk to someone. Mm -hmm. Don't convince yourself otherwise. Sure. You had mentioned that your um, depression and anxiety are very separate in your experience. And for me, I think it's the opposite. Uh, I, my depression and anxiety are very much intertwined. I think that my anxiety informs my depression. <laughs> I think um, oftentimes uh, some of you with anxious brains like mine might relate um, that there's just so much going on at all times yeah. in your brain. And for me, that results in like a paralysis, which then turns into often um, an inability to move, to do what I need to do. And um, I'm grateful that I am don't have anything severe enough that I'm not able to function. And I know that there are some people who do, um, but... I think what I have found most helpful is that support system is talking to somebody um, because even if it doesn't solve the problem, I definitely feel like it keeps me from spiraling farther. (laughs) Um, People who can keep you grounded and kind of keep you afloat. And then, of course, uh, the reminder that God is with us through all of it, that... uh, that we are not alone, not only because there are other people who struggle with these things, but also because God's arm is around us at all times and that um, that he always wants what's good and right for us. And so he will help see us through, even yeah. if it's not in the way that we think it will be. <laughs> right. Yeah, absolutely. So Pastor David writes, during my sermon on Sunday, I named several practices that are important for a person struggling with anxiety and depression, including naming the problem, taking care of oneself physically, meditating on God's word, asking someone to pray with you, the person struggling, and seeking help from professionals. I also mentioned some practices that are important for those of us who are helping others who struggle with anxiety and depression, including praying for those who struggle, being present with the person so they don't go through it alone, 
helping those who struggle with depression to discern a few priorities and establish routines to address priorities and recommending professional help. I think that uh, that part, those who struggle with, uh, helping those who struggle with depression to discern a few priorities is for me at least very helpful, very meaningful, because sometimes when I get into that state of kind of paralysis and I have so many things in my brain, so many things that need to be done, done, uh, and it seems like all of them are equally important. And so it's really helpful to have somebody who um, is close to me say, let's break this down. Some of these things aren't actually as important as you're giving them the weight. Uh, and that is helpful to be able to prioritize. Sometimes you just can't do it yourself. <laughs> all right. He says, let's talk about two of these practices. First, meditating on God's word can be helpful, regardless of the kind of burden we carry. Do you have a favorite scripture that is your go-to scripture in times of struggle? If so, which scripture is it, and why do you find that particular scripture helpful? Yeah, I really like Matthew 6, 34. Uh, it says, So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring worries of its own. Today's trouble is enough for today. I don't have a particular one, but I, I love most of the Psalms. Yeah. They're just, they're always, um, they're always great. I have Psalm 23. Yep. That's the one. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. Our kids in Sunday school learned that Psalm over the past three weeks. It is so good. And that's why it's used so much. I, um, have something to share, but it's actually not scripture, but it's written by, um, an Irish priest named Padraig Otwama. I'm not sure if I'm saying that correctly, but he has a wonderful book called In the Shelter. I highly recommend it. Um, it's kind of a collection of poetry. Uh, it's so good. And this excerpt, um, I think, is really meaningful. He says, Whether by fact or fiction, it remains that for decades I have thought of the words, You are here, and yes, I am as good places to begin something that might be called prayer. And um, talking about meditating on God's word and talking about prayer, um, I think thinking of it in that way as a starting place for prayer is so meaningful, especially when um, you're struggling with depression or anxiety or any other burden, um, that all you have to do is simply say, God is saying you are here. This is the this is the struggle that you're that you're dealing with at this moment. This is uh, kind of like in that self compassion exercise. This is a moment of suffering. I am here. God saying you are here. God knows that you are here. And then you saying I am here. And um, and all that really means to actually accept that you are there. And then you can have a conversation. And um, and that and that kind of uh, sparked in me when you were talking about earlier about therapy and you had to be in a certain place in order to be able to really receive it. had to be it. ready and accepting for right. help. Right. And I think that that really translate in, translates into prayer as well. Being able to say, I am here. God is here with me. Whatever that might look like. Sure. Yeah. And that leads us into the next thing. He says, second, prayer is important when it comes to the burdens we carry, and intercessory prayer is an important way to help others with the burdens they carry. There has been a lot of research lately on the impact prayer has on mental health, and study after study reports that folks who are prayed for improve. 
We know why. God works through the prayers of God's people. How have you experienced this truth? Have there been times in your life when you were carrying a burden, and through the prayers of others, your burden became lighter? Have there been times when you prayed for another person and experienced your prayer answered? I have had um, circumstances in which I might be going through a, a rough time, and, um, and then later on, come to find out either from the person directly or indirectly that, you know, hey, I've been praying for you. Mm-hmm. I heard about, you know, this situation and I've been praying for you. And that does feel great. I mean, yeah. you know, it does. I think it, I think it's important for people to be thinking about you and yeah. kind of send it out into the universe because mm-hmm. oftentimes, you know, you can get your, your, your prayers will be answered through the process of people praying for you. you yeah, know? absolutely. I have struggled in the past with um, the thoughts and prayers thing, <laughs> you know, that, that sometimes I need more than I thought I need more than thoughts and prayers. I need action on this thing. And I now recognize that while that's true sometimes, um, that, that your prayers are honest when they are accompanied by action and that, um, that it's really meaningful just to know that other people, like you said, are praying for you. I've had um, experiences with, you know, good friends who are going through something and I've reached out to our family or other friends and just tried to get as many people as I could to pray about it and to uh, at least be thinking about them and just knowing that there are other people who are invested in uh, the outcome of whatever it is they're going through, I think means a lot. And I've seen in, on our own prayer chain on the church um, that very thing happening, that uh, there's something really special about a group of people praying together. And it does make a big difference. Mm-hmm. One of the fundamental beliefs of our faith is that God works through us to accomplish God's will and purposes in this world. Another way to say it is we, as God's people, are invited to participate in the work of God. One way we participate in the work of God is through prayer. God works through our prayers. Since God works through our prayers, intercessory prayer, praying for others, is not just a nice thing to do, it is a necessary thing to do. How do you respond to this statement? Intercessory prayer is not just a nice thing to do, it is a necessary thing to do. I think what he means is, as people of God, we are called to participate in his work. That doesn't mean that his God's work is reliant on me praying a specific thing, but rather that as a, as a child of God, as a believer, I am called to action. And one of those actions is praying, thinking of others. And sometimes that looks different. Sometimes that looks like literally closing your eyes and praying for another person. And sometimes that looks like volunteering at the food bank pantry because that's also can be a prayer. Well, one thing that is interesting about this conversation is uh, there, are, there are different kinds of prayer. David's, Pastor David's talked about mm-hmm. it before. So um, intercessory prayer, you know, in the next uh, paragraph, he said, another way to think about intercessory prayer is this. Intercessory prayer opens an avenue for God to work through us and without prayer, that avenue is closed. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I don't think he's challenging to say that prayer is in general a necessi- necessity in order to facilitate God's 
plans or God's work, but right. that intercessory prayer is important and necessary for the individual, me and you, in order for me and you to be acting upon our Christian beliefs. I can see that. Right. So to me, this says that it's more of a challenge to us individually to make sure that we are praying for our other brothers and sisters. I, I certainly think it's important because it connects, not only does it connect us to God, but it helps us connect to our brothers and sisters through Christ. Yes. Right. And it's a way of relating is not the right word, but showing care and showing compassion. Right. Which we are called to do. Yeah. Right. He says another way to think about intercessory prayer is this. Intercessory prayer opens an avenue for God to work through us. And without prayer, that avenue is closed. Prayer is important. It is part of our ministry. Can you think of someone who needs prayer today? Well, the people of Ukraine... And e- even the citizens of Russia, because there's a lot of protesting what Putin's doing. Mm-hmm. I know someone in Moscow terrified out of his mind because none of the family, none of the citizens, a lot of people just aren't on board with it. And they're scared what's going to happen next, even if it's fear for themselves or the people of Ukraine. Sure. Yeah. And I don't know anybody there, but, I, you know, I still feel called to pray for them. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, I think everyone listening, I would like to pray for everyone listening to this podcast. Um, If you are someone who, like many of us, struggle with depression or anxiety or both or any heavy burdens that you're carrying right now, um, that I I think we should all pray for them. Pray for the person, hold the person up to God, and ask God to help the person. Who knows? Maybe God is waiting to answer. God bless you, and I hope to see you soon. Pastor Dave. Well, before we close in prayer, wherever you're listening from, Vimeo, SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple Music, if you can, drop a comment in the comment section and uh, let us know what you're thinking and if there's any ways that we can pray for you. Uh, And... If people do need prayers, where can they That's a great question, prayers? Chris. Uh, we have multiple avenues uh, at our church. Obviously, one is reaching out to somebody who you know, of course. We also have a prayer chain um, that you can join by going to our website. And we also have on our website a confidential prayer request form that you can fill out uh, if you would like to be remain confidential. And uh, someone will pray for you then. All right. Well, let's end in prayer, of course. Uh, I want to offer that self-compassion exercise again as a prayer. So, Lord, let us remember that you are with us in our moments of suffering, that it feels uncomfortable, and that your arm is around us to help us through it. Remind us that other people feel this way too, that we are not alone. I pray that everyone listening today can give themselves the compassion they need, that they may be patient with themselves, that they may forgive themselves, and that we all learn to accept ourselves as we are, as you created us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.